What is up, everybody? It is Diamonds and Hashmarks, another DNH episode coming to you on a Monday. Every Monday and Thursday, I keep telling you, refresh that tab. Monday and Thursday eventually will show up. But if you're seriously waiting on us, go get a life, find other things to do. Um, we're here. We're doing it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, audio only. Go check out the video if you want the video on YouTube. Uh, it's your favorite set of brothers on your favorite podcast. I'm the host. Uh, and man, host, can't really remember the rest of my title. Oh, you said producer. Dang. Yeah. It sounds <laughs> like the audio is already lagging. That sucks. Okay. Host and producer, Alex Pichardo. And I'm the co-host, Peyton Pichardo. You dig? If you are wondering who the guy in between us is, his name is Cooper Olin. He is one of the members of the Nest Pod from Birdhouse Productions. We had, uh, one of his buddies on earlier this season who was a Colts fan and a ginger. Uh, but since the Jags played the Falcons, we wanted uh, our resident Falcons fan to be a part yes. of the podcast today so that we could talk and recap that game. So, Cooper, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, let us know what the Nest Pod's about. Yeah, of course. First of all, I just want to say thanks for having me, guys. Big fan of this podcast, big fan of what you guys are doing, and I'm excited to get on here and talk some football shop with you. Uh, yeah, Birdhouse Production is in the Nest Podcast. You can find us at nest.pod on all platforms or Nest Podcasts on Apple and Spotify. Uh, we talk a lot of football. We divulge into some other sports, but it's pretty much a football-only <laughs> podcast at this point. So yep. if you guys need some NFL content throughout the season, uh, head over that way. Yeah, I, that's essentially what Josh said. Josh said that covering football was a religion, and you guys don't really yeah. divulge <laughs> from that. But. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, big fan of that podcast. Love listening to yep. you guys' takes. I just, I have a hard time getting past Mikey's takes on Tampa Bay because there's just <laughs> a lot of bias thrown in there. And there is. when he starts talking Tampa Bay, I just hit that 30-second fast-forward uh, yeah, point. I, I, I tune out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just move on. Um, so uh, it's a football first Monday. We got a lot of football to talk. Yeah. It was a great weekend as far as football is concerned. And I'm not only saying that because the Jags won. I was expecting us to lose yet again another game that I felt like we would lose. Uh, but yeah. we're going to start chronologically, as we always do. We're going to start with college football on Saturday. Um, not that we don't want to talk Utah and Oregon State and what a disaster that game was for Utah, but quite frankly, yeah. we have so much to get to today. It is October 2nd, the episode. We have been telling you guys that uh, we would have so much to talk about because uh, baseball is right around the corner, uh, but it is a football first Monday. So College football, UF versus Kentucky. What a Oof. disaster that was. Yeah. Coop, I'll go ahead and let everybody know your affiliations lie with the University of Georgia. So that being yes, said, do. what did you think about UF versus Kentucky? I loved it. I mean, I always <laughs> love watching UF go in there and, and get their butts kicked. I think it's historically UF has owned Kentucky too until a couple of years ago. So yeah. it's always fun to see. And Kentucky looks good. They're 5-0 and oh, and we – Georgia actually plays them next week. So I was kind of hoping that, that Florida would win and it would give me some confidence. But I'm not going to lie, I'm a little worried about Kentucky coming in to, to UGA. I think it's a yeah. night game in Athens. And just those teams with, with nothing to lose is what worries me the most. So I know it's going to be interesting. But, but man, I was fun watching Florida lose. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so on the other hand, I did not have that much fun. Um, I actually have a really cool relationship with my boss. He's a Florida fan as well. So he and I were kind of talking back and forth as the game was happening. And I texted him, man, this is going probably about as poorly as it possibly could right now. It couldn't get any worse. And he said, 
if Kentucky had these numbers over the entire game, I would have said it was a horrendous game. But the fact that they have these numbers at halftime <laughs> yeah. just goes to show how dog crap Florida is right now. <laughs> this is a clean podcast. I mark clean every time I produce. So it's a bad, <laughs> bad look um, for the University of Florida right now. Peyton, did yeah. you watch any of that game? Oh, you I did. Oh, you did. Yeah, yeah. So we had we had time where uh, we could uh, watch the game eventually. And now I, I was watching it, and I was very just disappointed. Ray Davis, household name at uh, Kentucky. Yeah. I did not know his name until he ran for 280 yards before touchdowns. Um, guys, Kentucky looks really strong. Well, okay, so yeah, Kentucky looks really strong, but I, come on, they played Florida. Well, yeah, they played Florida, <laughs> right? Um, they got, and I think the real test will be next week when they play Georgia. Um, I mean, I remember even last year, Kentucky kind of ran, ran the table with them a little bit. So, um, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do, but yeah, it's just an absolute disaster for on Florida's part. Um, I was looking just, I was not looking, I was watching the game and just, it didn't look like Mertz had anything going on. Uh, just the short pass game and the medium pass game. Nothing was happening. No, he's, and, he's Zach Wilson. Yeah. He's Zach Wilson. Exactly. They're the like, same person. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, no, it's it, it just it, it looked awful. Yeah. He did not have it, and they couldn't convert on third downs. So yeah, I mean, which I mean, to your point, not being able to convert on third downs, that was something that Florida struggled with mightily last year. The defense struggled yeah. with getting yeah. off the field on third downs, and the offense could not convert third downs. Yeah. For what it's worth, I thought the defense kind of did their job coming out of halftime and actually stopping Kentucky a couple times. Now. Part of that could be attributed to the fact that Kentucky was running the ball a little bit more on first, second, and third down, trying to eat at that yeah. clock a little bit, and Florida could have been expecting that. But for what it's worth, I thought the defense did make an adjustment and start to slow down Kentucky a little bit. Yeah. I didn't see Trevor Etienne as much either. He only no. ran for 29 yards, so, yeah, I mean. It worked yeah. against Kentucky. I don't know why we're shying away from giving Trevor Etienne the ball when it clearly right. works. Um, yeah. But yeah, just what an overall disaster of a game. By halftime, I was kind of ready to turn it off. And I mean, living in the great city of Gainesville, um, <laughs> a lot of people were kind of ready to turn it off around the halftime sure. point, which yeah. uh, I think kind of brings us to, to this crossroads where we opened up this year um, talking Florida football, recapping mm -hmm. the Utah and Florida game. And I was ready to say Billy Napier's on the hot seat. There was a lot of talk this offseason about how great we're going to be and we're total and utter trash. We gave up a 75-yard touchdown bomb to open the season. Like our defense statistically was not able to stop a nosebleed at that point in the year. I said Billy Napier's on the hot seat. Then they had three home games in a row, McNeese State, Charlotte, and Tennessee. And I said, if yep. he's staying at Florida this year, he has to win two of three. And then he won three of three. Now he's on the yeah. road at Kentucky, and he lost again. So now that's two losses on the year. Which brings us back to the question, is Billy Napier back on the hot seat? Coop, I'll let you answer this one first. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, going into the season, I knew there were a lot of expectations for Florida. One of the things about Billy Napier that's praised about him is his recruiting. So I, I really thought that with some of the – I think Florida had a pretty good recruiting class last year. And as – I honestly, I don't like Florida, but I like when they're good because I always love the Florida-Georgia game, and I, yep. I love going to and seeing a good game. So I really had some high expectations. And like you said, he was kind of on the hot seat after losing to Utah. And then those three wins, not only did it get him off the hot seat, but it put them in 
competition for the East. They if they could beat Georgia, they could they could win it all. And obviously that didn't happen slipping up against Kentucky. So yeah. I don't know if I'm ready to put him completely on the hot seat. I, I think maybe his recruiting class just needs some time to develop and he's only been there what two years now. So yeah. maybe not yet. But college football is also they don't you don't have time to get good. Right. They, they yeah. want success almost immediately. So it's really gonna depend on how the I guess the season finishes out. If he can make a bowl game and maybe get a good solid win, I think he'll be okay. But that loss did not help him at all. No, not at all. Peyton, what do you think? I mean, just going off of Coop's thing, uh, like these aren't Dan Mullen's guys anymore. These are Billy Napier's guys. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to put him on the hot seat, but I'll, I'll put him on the edge. How about that? I'll put okay. him on the edge of the hot seat. He's, he's got to get something stirring here. These are his guys. Now, these are the guys that he's recruited. Got to start winning some games here. Got to start winning some big games. I don't know how many weeks we're away from the Florida Georgia game. Like a couple, maybe two, two weeks. End of October, October normally. Yeah, end yeah. of October. So like, we got we got to get it cooking now because yeah. you're you're facing the powerhouse of Georgia. Yeah. Um, here soon. So, what I've seen a lot of from Gator Twitter uh, recently is two opposites: one that says "fire Billy Napier now," and the other that says "give him time." And I find myself constantly torn in this because while I do want to give him time to develop the recruiting class, I think, I think it is Netflix Swamp Kings put it. It's <laughs> not only football, it's college football in the SEC. Yeah. So there's an expectation. I, look, I am not the first to walk out there and say, I expect at least 10 and two every year or better. I know that it it's rough for UF right now and it's going to take some years to build it back up. But uh, when we see these losses pile up against teams that, I mean, realistically, I thought we had a shot against, I I start to question whether or not he's actually the guy for the job. I'll go ahead and hold back. I'll wait a little bit longer, but I got to see how the rest of this year goes. Um, Coop, you being here, uh, I was really hoping that the university of Georgia would throw a game against uh, Auburn, but unfortunately, uh, not unfortunately for you, Georgia pulled it <laughs> off. They came back, kind of, they won that game. I just want your overall thoughts on that game and, and how that how that worked out. Yeah, um, I don't know if you've seen, sorry, my dog's barking in the background. I don't know if you've seen that, that meme where it's like, oh boy, I can't wait to watch my team play. And then it's like, this is the worst thing ever. And then it's, oh, nice, we won. That's exactly how I felt <laughs> yeah. about Georgia all year. Um, I Obviously, Deep South's oldest rivalry, big rivalry game, anything can happen. Auburn, nothing to lose. Yeah. Um, in Auburn, too, I, I really wanted to win convincingly, but we didn't. We honestly did not deserve to win. I think they outplayed us, and it does worry me. I think as far as Georgia goes, I think a lot of people expected us to come back and be the powerhouse we were the past two years, and I think we're still really good. But I think the the loss of Todd Monken – our offensive coordinator as he went to the Ravens is really starting to show because our defense can keep people from scoring, but our offense is just struggling that big playability right now outside of Brock Bowers. So I, I just worry that if a team comes oh. in and, and shuts down <laughs> yeah. Bowers that Brock we're not going to be able to, to rock. Yeah, yeah. Bowers is probably, he's getting up there at my favorite players of all time. For yeah. UGA, so yeah. I love that man, but, but yeah, I'm happy we got the win, but I, I'm definitely nervous about us moving forward. And I think Carson Beck, is good. I think he's serviceable. I think he grew up a little bit in this game. This is the first time he had to come back and win. So I'll give him his, his due th- dues there, but Auburn's not a very good team this year. So we got to get something going soon. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think Brock Bowers is obviously a real talent. You're hearing his name every time the ball is thrown, it seems like. But just that unique tight end position who's more of a receiver than he is a tight end, who's going to be too fast for a linebacker to keep up with him, uh, but too big and strong for a safety or a DB to cover him. So really, hopefully, I guess, for the University of Georgia, they don't run into a defense that has that one-of-one that can match up against Bowers. But yeah, yeah, I I thought... um, it, it offensively, it just looked like each drive was a struggle for them where yeah. you're, if you're scoring, it's 14, 15 plays deep. I don't know if that's actually real, but it felt like if UGA was going to score, it was going to have to be from the 25 to the 30, then the 40, yep. 45, 50. And we're, we're going to move a couple yards at a time. Not historically the Georgia offense that we've seen just, just when Stetson Bennett was there. But um, so there was a bit of a slow start there. It seemed mm-hmm. like Georgia took a while to, to get their feet moving, especially, yeah. you know, an away game. And I think we've seen that a couple of times from the university of Georgia this year. So is that kind of what you've grown to expect? Is that what we should expect a slow start from the university of Georgia? Yeah, it's been, it's been very characteristic of, of Georgia, especially this year, the slow starts. Uh, luckily we've been able to, you know, not let it ruin us. You know, we, we may get knocked down a step, but we end up coming back, but but like you mentioned, we haven't played many good teams this year. And as soon as we hit an offensive powerhouse, I don't know. I know we got Tennessee coming on later. And Tennessee yep. just lost to Florida. But they're still pretty good offense. So we definitely got to figure something out. I don't know if we need to run the football more and, and open up the play action. But whatever they're doing now is just not working. I don't know if that's the play calling with Mike Bobo or if it's just the, the inability that Carson Beck lacks. Gotcha. Yeah, right. I, I kind of. It's weird. You want good football to be played. And right now, good football means the University of Georgia doing well. But in my heart, I don't want to see the University of Georgia do well. So slow starts. Okay, I'll I'll expect that of them. That's fair. Uh, Peyton, you and I were on the University of Colorado train at the beginning of the year. They won that first game against TCU. And we were like, okay, they're here. Colorado's here. Coach Prime is here. They won that second game. And we were all about it. They won that third game. We loved it. They uh. That first game, I think, looking back on it now, TCU actually sucks. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to lose yeah, to Colorado. I was, saying, I was like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they they failed that first real test against yeah. Oregon. Uh, we talked about that a couple episodes ago, like what their tests right. were. Um, so their first real test, can you beat a powerhouse program in Oregon? They failed that. Um, had another opportunity to redeem themselves against USC, and that yeah. didn't go well. They did fight back a little bit for what it's worth. It but... Um, Hank, I just want to open up the floor to you. Where are you with Colorado right now? Because me personally, I'm ready to move on. Yeah, I'm ready to move on too. I think I hopped off the train when that uh, after that Oregon one. I mean, uh, we looked at it. We looked at the spread, I think, and it was like like 28, uh, 28 and a half, maybe yeah. or something like that. And I was like, that. I mean, what we've seen out of Colorado up till now is like they, they, they can they can run with it a little bit. Yeah. So, and then we just got proved wrong, and the spread actually proved to be true because yeah. they lost by a, that margin, maybe more. Uh, and we were like, "Yeah, okay, yeah." I think I think the story's over. Um, and it, again, just proved it again to uh, USC. Um, and they were down like a whole bunch, I think, in the first half. And then they started to get stuff picked back up again. They uh, came back and almost ran with it, and they they only lost by a touchdown. Yeah. But um, I'm yeah, I'm re- I'm ready for it to be over. So I'm I'm on the same boat as you are. I think. 
Yeah. Final score there was 48 to 41. You watched yep. USC put up uh, 14 in the first quarter um, and Colorado not score. Then when Colorado finally did score in the second quarter, they put up 14, but then USC had put another 20 on the board. And it yeah. just looked like, yeah, there are two offenses here. One of them is clearly better. And I think right. you could look at Shooter Sanders and as talented as he is and, and start having a realistic conversation about where he falls in, in his draft year. Is he the best quarterback there? But he was the second best quarterback on the field yep. when they played USC. I, I, I thought I Caleb Williams was just that much better. The guy's a dude. He won the Heisman last year, and he looks like he's the real deal. So is Caleb Williams like the consensus number one pick? I think yes. Does he have anything left to prove? I I think the last thing is to try to try for that title. Right. Yeah. If USC could could win the Natty, I think I'm okay with the Natty on the West Coast because then I'm not listening to constant <laughs> USC fans in my ear because they're not really here in Florida. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. But so if, if he has nothing else really to prove, I want to open up this question. And we're going to skip ahead a little bit and have a little bit of a discussion. So we're going to put the college football thing on hold for a little bit. But if he's clearly the best pick, and again, hypothetical, I'm throwing it out there. If New England <laughs> is sitting right now, the professional team, at one and three, and it's kind of clear after last week that Mike, Mac Jones might not be the guy. New England is trying to win, and they're only one and three. Yeah. So they could try to lose and just torch the rest of the season if they wanted to. I don't know if that's in Belichick's DNA. But do we have to start thinking about the possibility and start worrying about the possibility of Caleb Williams winding up in New England? Coop, I'll start with you. Yeah, yeah with you. I, it's a scary thought, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I think all offseason, everybody has always said Caleb Williams is a Cardinal already. And the Cardinals have actually shown some life. So New England, if, if they really do decide to torch it and tank for Williams, I, I think it would be a bold move. I think it's a good move, though, to be honest. I think, in my opinion, Caleb Williams, if he were in the NFL tomorrow, he would be a top half of the league quarterback. Yeah. I think he'd be top 16. Yeah. So Belichick getting that sort of talent would be – Definitely scary for the league. But like you said, I don't know if Bill Belichick is ready to throw the towel in. Right. I think that New England still has a good defense that can win some games. So it's really going to come down to if the Patriots can accept that they're going to lose and, and throw. Yeah. Because I think the Bears and, and you know, the Panthers are almost at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think the worst thing about New England right now is the fact that Mac Jones, for what it's worth, and Bailey Zappi don't really have a whole lot of time in the pocket. I think statistically it's one of the worst offensive lines in the National Football League right now. And so I, I think that roster, if they tank this year and take on Caleb Williams, could be playoff ready by next year because New England has always had a good defense. The Dallas Cowboys have proven you can go out and buy a good offensive line. And now you throw Caleb Williams in at quarterback. Suddenly, that's that's extremely scary for the rest of the league. But yeah. just something that I thought of. I was like, dang, New England's at one and three. That's probably going to be the highest draft uh, pick that they're going to have had in a really yeah. long time. Oh wait, Caleb Williams is going to be the best quarterback available at the top of the draft. Yeah. So all of a sudden, Bill Belichick with another quarterback that's extremely talented. I I just thought about that a little bit. I was like, do I need to be worried about that? 
do I have to start <laughs> mentally preparing myself for the AFC yeah. to have a good New England again? Right. Um, so, yeah, Caleb Williams, I don't think, has anything left to prove. I, I'm going to be very interested to see what happens to the top five in college football because I think Georgia yeah. belongs there. I think Michigan belongs there. I think Texas belongs there. USC belongs there. But where does Ohio State fit in, you know? So, On slot number 22, okay. <laughs> I want to say. <laughs> right. but, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think that top five, uh, especially college football playoff time, those top four are going to be extremely interesting. Coop, I know you yeah. have Georgia in, but what are those other three teams that you have? Because I feel like you had a prediction at the beginning of the year. Yeah, so for me, Georgia and Texas, I think, are my, my top two right now. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know if it's just because I watched – us destroy Michigan two years ago, and then I watched TCU destroy Michigan. I just can't buy into them. Um, I think Ohio State is actually a little bit better. I, I think Marvin Harrison is just yeah. that dog, and I think the, I would take Ohio State over them. And then I know Mikey's not here, and he's going to love me for saying this, but I think Florida State is legit too. And I yeah. think yeah. the ACC is pretty wide open, and if you are an undefeated ACC champion, you can't get left out of the playoffs. So I'd probably slot True. Uh, Florida State, and just because I know Ohio State and Michigan, one of them's going to have to beat the other. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, personally, I hope it's Michigan, uh, just because I just despise Ohio State. Coop, we were talking Notre Dame, Ohio State recently, and I was like, either way, this is going to be a terrible result. Either Ohio State's <laughs> going to win, and we're going to hear nothing but crap from their fans the rest of the year, or Notre yep. Dame's going to win, and people are going to ask to put them in the top four college football playoff again, which shouldn't be allowed if you're Notre Dame because you've been pants time and time again, and we're not <laughs> yeah. letting that yeah. happen anymore. Yeah. So that really does it for our college football conversation. Going to kind of move into um, our NFL talk. Coop, you being a fan of the University of Georgia, got to watch Trayvon Walker up close and personal. Yep. Uh, Jag's Twitter was alive and well over this past week, talking about the difference in talent between Aiden Hutchinson uh, when the game happened on Thursday night and Trayvon Walker and how Aiden was on the board when the Jags could have taken him, but they took Trayvon Walker instead. And they started talking about the, the comparison and talent level uh, just between the two of them. Is there a clear better pass rusher between the two of them do you think one is clearly better than the other given your bias yeah so I think it's hard to compare I think obviously when the draft happened I think everybody was expecting the Jags to go Hutchinson yeah. um until I think I remember I remember there was like the week before the draft all of a sudden it was just the Trayvon Walker hype and I was like it's just smokescreen I'm not buying in but they ended up pulling the trigger and I, I love Walker I think he's a great talent I think he's he was a lot more raw coming out than yeah. Aiden Hutchinson was. And I think Hutchinson coming out of Michigan just fit obviously right into Detroit. So for me, I, I know Detroit, in my opinion, is the better team and Hutchinson looks great. I wonder if that could just be the fact that he's on a better defense and he gets a lot more single teams and they just are better moving him around. But I, I can't lie. Hutchinson looks great. He, destroyed the Falcons when we played him. Our O-line is, is butter. The the Jags destroyed our O-line too, but I don't know if Walker got a sack or not. So right now it's definitely looking like Hutchinson should have been the pick, but I do think Walker can still develop if given the time and confidence put into him. Yeah, yeah. I saw a lot of that. Like, hey, I'm not ready to call Trayvon Walker a bust. By no means am I calling him a bust. But did Trent Bach miss? 
Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I, I think he did. I think Hutchinson should have been the pick. I think he's just a complete player. I think he's a locker room guy, a presence, more confident, a team leader. Trayvon Walker was never really that at Georgia. He was just kind of the freak athlete on the edge. So yeah, I, I think it was a miss, but I, I do hope Walker can turn it around and really get on, get on pace for a good career. Yeah. Peyton, I'll throw this to you. Do you trust Trent Bach with a draft pick ever from here on out? From here on out, I would say probably not. Um, Fair. All right. <laughs> to, we can to, move to, on. Just to be honest, we can move on after <laughs> yeah, that. I just, don't have to go on to no. a tangent. Just, yeah, just a straight up no. Um, yeah, I totally agree with yeah. that. You want the evidence? Go look at his last couple of picks. None of them are yeah. good. Um, Other than Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, but that was so easy. That if was you easy. Did that, was, that, was, that was an alley Yeah, it's been yeah. decent. It was an alley Yeah, true. Um. So we got to watch that Lions-Packers game, and yes. shoot, the Lions looked real there. Yeah. Is it time to say that the Detroit Lions may actually be for real this year? I know we talked yeah. about it a little bit yeah. last year because they were making a playoff push right towards the end, but they're looking dominant at the beginning of the year. They beat KC on banner-raising night in KC. They went yeah. into Lambeau and pounded the Green Bay Packers in front of their home fans. Are the Lions for real, Coop? Yeah, uh, the Lions are legit, man, especially with the NFC North, the state of it right now. The Lions are, in my opinion, almost guaranteed a home playoff game. And Jared Goff looks good. The, their defense looks great. Hutch looks great. They they have a solid, solid team. And, and Dan Campbell is, is quite the coach. He's really, really hard to root against. I think it's yeah, going to be a fun team to watch. That, so I, I, Yeah, I think the Lions are real. That kneecap comment, that stole my heart. <laughs> I was all about him after that. Um, have you heard about his yeah. Starbucks order? Oh my god! He no. goes in there and he gets two venti uh, Pikes Peak roasts, black. Yeah. None of that cream stuff because that's weak. And then he asks oh for god. a double shot of espresso in each of them, <laughs> which oh is the equivalent gosh. to ten Red Bulls. That's yeah. insane. <laughs> that's, but it fits because he's jacked and looks like he yep. can take that amount of caffeine. So we've talked Trayvon Walker, we've talked the Lions, and how awesome Hutch looks. I just want to bring up this question real quick. Who do we think is the best pass rusher in the NFC? Because in my mind, it's between Micah Parsons, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, the Bosa that's over there in San Fran, and Jalen Carter for the Eagles, even though he's a rookie. If there's another one that I didn't mention, you can go ahead and throw that. And the question that we ask on Spotify, what did you think about this episode? You can tweet us at Diamond Hashmark. There is no S. Or you could email us, uh, diamondsandhashmarks at gmail.com. And and just let us know if if I missed, if I forgot <laughs> your favorite pass rusher in the NFC. But I really yeah. think it's between those four. If I had to pick one, my my heart is torn between Parsons and Hutchinson just because of how good they've looked at the beginning of yeah. the year. But I think I have to go Parsons just because he's maneuvering around the offensive line and threatening each offensive uh, guard and tackle. Yeah. Peyton, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, agreed with that, man. Um, I'm kind of torn in between Parsons and Hutchinson as well. I want to say Bosa as well, like the Bosa brothers. They've been doing a great job just these past this past decade, even. Yeah. Um, so my heart's torn with that because you 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 hear the name Bosa and you're 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 um, gosh, can't speak. You are um, honestly you're automatically thinking he's in like the backfield, greatness. like you're like great. He's back and, there. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was trying to get at. But, um, yeah, uh, Parsons uh, has been phenomenal ever since he has joined the league. Yeah. And I almost want to make the comparison of um, 
have you guys seen that clip of like Aaron Donald like rushing Geno Smith and Geno Smith? Yeah. Like, oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like it's that way with Parsons, just how of a, how much of a threat he is, and Hutchinson as well. But I I lean more towards Parsons. Yeah. I think he's just he's just that guy. So for Coop, the uh, for the Cowboys, Coop, yep. you know that our buddy who has a phenomenal mustache on the nest pod <laughs> is going to automatically say that it's Micah Parsons. Yeah. Are, are you fighting him on that? So if you had asked who is the most valuable defensive player in the NFC, I would have said Micah Parsons okay. just because of his versatility, pure edge rusher. I lean Bosa. I think Nick Bosa is a star in his yeah. own right. I think there's a reason he was the highest paid. I think if you gave me him and, and Parsons and said I could only play him on the edge, I would take Bosa. But Parsons is right there. And, and Parsons, honestly, because of his versatility, is the better player in my opinion. But pure edge rusher, I'm going to go Bosa. And then one player I think you left out just to throw this in there, and I think he would be probably number five on this list would be Brian Burns on the Carolina Panthers. True. Uh, I just watched him torture the Falcons for yeah. far too long now to not <laughs> give him the respect he deserves. Yeah. But, but yeah, I'm definitely leaning Bosa, but Parsons is, is could overtake him in a couple games. Yeah. Keeps yeah. reforming. I'm sure. So now that we've had that conversation, let's go ahead and talk Jags and Falcons. Let, let's start having that conversation. I just want... Uh, Band-Aid. Yeah, let's rip the Band-Aid <laughs> off. Uh, obviously, Jags coming away with a victory. Oh, hold on. Let's let's start here first. What the heck was happening on Disney Plus? Why was that yeah. even a thing? Why was yeah. the Toy Story so Andy's room thing a thing? I was so uncomfy for me. Yeah. It, it was cool, but it wasn't like I feel like it lagged and yeah. it was never like perfect. Like the Ridley touchdown, I didn't even catch it in the in the Disney thing. Right. Yeah. But it was cool. It was a cool idea. Now I don't have ESPN Plus. I do have Disney Plus. So my only <laughs> option for watching the game was to watch them play in Andy's room. <laughs> So, I mean, any take that I have is clearly influenced by the toys. Uh, but <laughs> I just want your overall thoughts on that game. Uh, Coop, we'll let you go first because you were the losing team. And then we'll we'll move on and talk about the Jags a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, going into this week, I, I expected to lose. I think as a Falcons fan, I'm almost just at this point, I always <laughs> expect to lose. Uh, I will say I, I predicted a starting out two and two, but I, I really thought we would be a little bit more competitive in this game than we were. Yeah. I think our our defense has really stepped up. I think Jesse Bates was worth every single penny that we gave him this offseason. But, man, I Ritter, I, I'm losing faith in him. I really thought going into the season, hey, all Ritter has to do is be able to get the ball in the hands of the playmakers with Bijan and London and Pitts, and he just is struggling to do it. And I don't know if it's the O-line, if it's the play calling, or if it's just – the lack of talent and confidence at the quarterback position, but yeah. I'm getting a little worried. I, I really thought we had an easy schedule and we still do, but mm -hmm. going in the next week to play the Texans, I don't like our odds. I think CJ Stroud is legit. And yeah, all of a sudden. I'm, yeah. So I, I was, it's tough. Cause I was really, if you listen to our podcast a couple weeks ago, I've been really high on the Falcons and really excited. And these past two weeks have just drained every ounce <laughs> of hope out of me as we move forward. Yeah. So it was a tough game. Yeah. Hey, I'm old enough to remember that Kyle Pitts was going to revolutionize the way that the tight end played the position. Yeah. So, what the heck? Are yeah. are you guys going to throw the ball to him or not? I was I was going to we'll pose that him. question. I really was. I was going to be like, what happened to Pitts? Because in this new Madden, he's an X factor, and I'm just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's crazy. He's not proved anything. <laughs> Pitts Pitts is a generational talent with yes. generational bad luck. 
his, his rookie year, he had Matt Ryan, old day. man Matt Ryan, and he went over a thousand yards. And then he had uh, now he catches passes from last year, Marcus Mariota, and this year Desmond Ritter. Yeah, and it's just not working. And I love the guy. I really, I do think he could be a top tight end in the league if used right. But if we're not going to use them, I, I'm sick of hearing it too. I just trade them or something. Send to the Cowboys. <laughs> get get some picks. picks. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it, it's tough to watch, but but I understand the frustration mm-hmm. of not of Pitts not being utilized. Yeah. Uh, so Peyton, I know that watching the game, I was a little shocked to see the score where it was so early because I'm accustomed yeah. to Trevor Lawrence and the offense taking a couple drives to actually get settled in and play with some urgency. Right. So so how about that? They scored early. Yeah. They scored a couple times early. I mean, for what it's worth, they only got up to 10 points, I think, with, what, 12, 11 minutes left in the second quarter. So it did take yeah. some time. But I, I thought it was a much faster start than we're used to seeing. Yeah, going into the half, it was 17-0. to zero, So, I mean, it was something new, I think. Uh, Trevor really proved himself a little bit, I think, uh, with the Calvin Ridley pass. Um, and, yeah, I think we just we, we just got uh, on a hot start quick, and Brandon McManus was making field goals. Uh, or made that field goal yeah. in, the, in the first half. But, um, yeah, defense looked great. Uh, two interceptions off of uh, Ritter. Um, I'm also worried about him, too. You know, I mean, I saw his days in Cincinnati, and I thought he was actually going to be something, and then yeah. he wasn't. Um, hey, I heard uh, Rex Ryan on ESPN Get Up this morning say that oh, yeah. the only guy who probably has a weaker arm than Mac Jones is Desmond Ritter. And I thought that's an insane take because when Mac Jones throws, it doesn't look like he, there's a whole lot of heat on the ball. But like, right. is that true? Probably true. Oh wow, it's probably true. <laughs> wow. Okay, I I don't know if you saw, but there was a play in the game where Mac Hollins broke free on a post route, and then Ritter just completely missed him behind, <laughs> yeah. underthrown, and then yeah. Mac Hollins actually yelled at him on the bench on the Disney Plus thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, hey, if if it actually happened like that, dang. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I guess my overall thought on the game was we got off to a good start, played with some urgency early. It looks like they're starting to figure out how to use ETN in a way that could actually threaten the defense because we've seen this the last couple of years where he just doesn't have the ability to run in between the tackles. If it's a designed run uh, between the tackles, it's not going very far. He's just not a power back. He's a first, second down back. Um, If it's a short yarded situation, bring in Bigsby because it's not ETN. Right. ETN can bounce tank. it outside. If your running back is named Tank, he should be your third down back. And that's all <laughs> no, I'll say. Definitely, definitely. But um, yeah, ETN, ETN also, Ugh. use him as a check down, throw screens to him, and, and then every once in a while, run it with him. He, he said that he had never been booed before at home, so he was a little happy to play playing at uh, Wembley Stadium, I guess, over there in London. But I don't know. Uh, I'm encouraged to see that we're using him slightly differently, throwing more screen passes to him, but also I, I want him to be a more complete back. Also, I don't want him going 20 carries for 55 yards. Right, yeah. If that, you're having 20 carries, you need to at least have 120 to 150 yeah. yards. That's uh, all I'm saying. Well, I mean, if you're playing, what, Road to Glory or NFL Superstar or whatever, or creating <laughs> your own player, you know you want yeah. to average more than – five yards a carry and 20 right. rushes for 55 yards just yeah. doesn't look like a great stat line. So we saw what ETN was capable of. It looks like Christian Kirk is really starting to fight Calvin Ridley for that number one wide receiver slot. Yep. Now we're going to get to have a cool conversation about Calvin Ridley because the team he played with before he played with the Jags was the Falcons. So we got to play his old team. 
Coop, real quick. Do you miss Calvin Ridley? Yes. Okay. I, I 100% miss Calvin Ridley. However, I am happy he is on the Jags with a quarterback who can throw him the ball because he would just be another Kyle Pitts, Drake London situation on the Falcons now. True. Um, I love Calvin Ridley. I think he, in my opinion, he's top three route runner in the NFL still. I know he's shaken the rust off these past couple of weeks, and I really think that once him and Trevor start clicking, it could be pretty successful down the line. I think he's a great wide receiver. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Peyton, any thoughts on Christian Kirk? Yeah, I mean, eight receptions, 84 yards. I mean, we kind of saw this last year, you know, when we started, like, uh, getting on that winning streak and uh, getting in those games and then all of a sudden pulling a 9-8 and eight record and making it into the playoffs. And Christian Kirk and Zay Jones were those guys. More, I think more Christian uh, – uh, more on Christian Kirk's end. Yeah. But um, so this is kind of a glimpse of what we were seeing last season. So, I mean, if this is going to carry over into this season, I'm all for it. Um, but also it's that kind of thing where we, we knew that Calvin Ridley was going to be right receiver one. He hasn't proven it up to this point. Maybe, maybe uh, the first game when he went for a hundred yards against the Colts. But other than that, it's just kind of been Christian Kirk's show and I'm here for it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, Hey, I'm always excited when, Christian Kirk and Zay Jones are getting the ball because that means the offense is spreading out more than just Calvin yep. Ridley and, and ETN up the middle. Uh, Coop, do you know who the Falcons have next week? Texans. Texans. So how – oh, you did mention that earlier. A little, little briefly, yes. <laughs> Might be, yeah. yeah. So you said that, that you were uh, optimistic about that, but C.J. Stroud all of a sudden looks like he may be the real deal. So moving yeah. forward, what needs to change from the game that they just played against Jacksonville to the game that they're going to play against the Texans? Yeah. So honestly, the offensive line just needs to learn how to pass protect better. They need to yeah. keep Ritter safer. And I think the biggest thing is I think the play calling needs to change a little bit. One thing I noticed watching the Falcons the entire year is that Desmond Ritter has no hot routes to throw through at any point. It's yeah. always long developing plays where he's got to hold the ball and throw it. And we just don't have the line to do that. We don't have the quarterback to do it. So we need to get Bijan out in space, open up the game, stick to our guns and run the yeah. freaking football. And then hopefully <laughs> the play action opens up. So the Texans, the slight glimmer of hope for the Falcons is the Texans historically are a team you can pound the rock against. So I'm hoping we just go in and Bijan to touch the ball 30 times and see what happens, and hopefully Ritter can make some throws and the defense can step up again. Yeah. Hey, honestly, if Bijan touches the ball 30 times and you lose, tip your cap is what I'll say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, if he touches the ball 30 times and you win, do it again. You know? Yep. Uh, Peyton, we got the Bills in London again, and I'm not thrilled. I'm not thrilled either. I yeah. mean, what we saw with them absolutely destroying the Dolphins. Uh, I, I won't say absolutely destroying. What – should well, be it, defined it, as absolutely destroying is what the Dolphins did to the Broncos. A 50-point margin okay. is absolutely destroying. Yes. Okay. Absolutely destroying. I understand. They beat um, the Dolphins. They beat the Dolphins. I'll say that. Yeah. They beat the Dolphins, and everybody was looking for the Dolphins to win, I'm pretty sure, because of, like, coming off of, like, uh, coming off of the game against the Broncos, obviously, and having them be in 3-0. Um, and that first so, drive looked easy. Yeah, it did. So, um... I'm not hopeful either. Um, and we're also, I guess we're also in London. So we're just going to, I think everybody's just going to stay in London, obviously. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, we do well in London. So, I mean. If, if there's a shot, it's, it's because lost. we're playing in London. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, not all that optimistic. I think if we're going to win this game, we have to play the best game of the year. 
against the Bills because so. that defense is scary uh, yeah. with as talented as they are, um, like as I, much pressure they put on you, as, as athletic as the linebackers are. Um, you're going to have to see. Yeah, well, he's actually out. He, <laughs> oh, is he? Okay. Yeah, it looked like he tore his Achilles and pulled an Aaron Rodgers. But, which you hate that. for him because he's just been hurt a bunch the past couple of years. But if yeah. we're going to win this game, I think our offense has to play the most complete game it's ever done. And then the better Josh Allen needs to be in the backfield the entire the entire day. Better Josh Allen. I like that. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> well, I thought it was clever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that that's Jags, Falcons for you. Really not a whole lot to say other than the Jags won and the Falcons yeah. didn't. Um, but there was a ton more that happened. So we'll touch on everything real quick here, just because we want to respect your time, Coop. Um, did Zach Wilson actually look better than Patrick Mahomes last night? Or, or was that just something that I made up in my mind? Kind of. Okay, all right. <laughs> it, he... Uh... I will say he surprised me. He made some some big time throws, and there's actually a, I don't know if you've been on Twitter, but there's a lot of of jokes about it's because all the celebrities there, and he wanted to play good in front of Taylor Swift. Yeah, you and know it. Like lively at everybody. He's but, a dog. But no, he, yeah. he 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 stepped up. He he played well. At the end of the day, he's still the reason they lost. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I think he actually took blame for that fumble too, which I like to see. I know that. I think a couple of years ago he didn't take blame when they only put up three points. So the the growth is there, and maybe it's the Rodgers effect. Maybe it's just playing at home, no pressure. But I'm yeah. not ready to say he looked better than Mahomes. But Mahomes showed that he's human. I think that's okay. that's the take you yeah. can take away. I think Mahomes kind of walked into that game and said, "We're playing the Jets. The guy playing quarterback for them yeah. is Zach Wilson. I can take a night off." Essentially, not that yeah. not that he did. But maybe he, he's looking at these throws and he's like, I can afford more risk because they're not going to go and score every time I give them the ball. Whereas if right. you're playing the Bills, all of a sudden you have to be really careful with where you're throwing the ball. Um, Correct. But, mm. hey, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers, and I just want to point out real quick that it's, what, week five, week six now? Something like that. I'm not paying all that close attention to where we, we are in five. the season. But ordinarily, a torn Achilles patient you see them in a walking boot and crutches normally just 12 weeks after the surgery. We're no more than five weeks removed from when he tore his Achilles and he's already walking around in a boot. So I just want to throw out for everybody. I don't think we've seen the last of Aaron Rodgers this season. And that's all I'm going to say. He's in a boot much earlier than he should have yeah. been. So look out because if Zach Wilson can hold this team together just a little bit longer, I think they could actually do something. Uh, come postseason time yep. we've already talked about the Dolphins a little bit playing against the Bills last week I was ready to call them a legit Super Bowl contender uh, just because of what they did to the Broncos but it looks like the Broncos that could actually be more attributed to Sean Payton and how much of a disaster that organization is than it is the talent level of the defense um, yeah. and the execution of the Dolphins but given the game they just played against Buffalo Peyton, are you still willing to call the Dolphins Super Bowl contenders? I think it just comes down to scheduling. I don't know who the Dolphins have. I think we looked at it. Um, we did last because episode. yeah, I can't remember it off the uh, top of my head. Um, but they got the Giants next week. Um, the Giants old Pee Wee football either. team. The old Pee Wee football team with the highest paid or one of the highest paid quarterbacks, which is uh, insane. Which is insane to even <laughs> consider. 
that Daniel Jones is a high-paid quarterback in this league. Um, says that Miami's favorite nine and a half, and I think we did eventually like uh, go down this list and said they were going to win the majority of these games, and they're going to be a top, uh, a top of the division. Yeah. So I'm not going to rule it out quite yet. Okay. Yeah. Quite we yet. clearly were very flexible with how the previous week went. We'll change. Yeah our outlook on everything. I think part of that's just because we're Jags fans. Yep. We win one game. It's Duval till we die. We lose a game. It's Duval till we die, but sad. That's just how it goes. <laughs> yep. Although the, the conversation we had last week, I thought was a little crazy coop. Mm. Uh, what we did is we looked at the highest scoring offense of all time, 2013 Denver Broncos, 606 yep. points over the, the amount of games that they played. And then we asked, mm-hmm could the Dolphins break this record? Because they put up 70, and so far they were kind of on pace to actually break that record. Now, mm-hmm. to do that, they actually have to put up like 34 to 36 points a game. Mm-hmm. That offense against the Bills, if you're playing the Bills, I can understand undershooting, undershooting that mark. But when you're going up against a, a team that doesn't have the defense like the Bills, I can understand also overshooting that mark and making up some ground. Obviously, I called them a Super Bowl contender last week. What's your take on them? Yeah, so I like the Finns. I I still think that they are top three to four team in the AFC. I think that a lot of it could be just just to give them the benefit of the doubt. You they still have to go play in Buffalo. Not an easy place to win. Yeah. Big rivalry game, and I I will. I know say they though, lost pretty handedly, but it wasn't awful. They did overall. get to play in Buffalo before it got stupid cold. Yes, yes, which this I is think true. for their schedule is huge. This is true. Yeah, I really think that they have. I think it's. I know you said Giants. I think they play the Panthers the week after that. So two really easy make right weeks, in my opinion. Uh, I think they could compete for the the scoring title like you said however i pulled up the standings just on my side monitor here and if you pull it up it's actually pretty interesting they they do lead the the nfl in points for with 150 but they also have 119 against so they're they're lining up to compete for that just because they're going to be in games late with they're going to give up that many points as well so yeah it'll be interesting but i do think they're talented i think mike mcdaniel just said give me the fastest human beings on the planet and let me work and yeah he's doing well but Bills show that they're they're capable of beating them too. So yeah, yep. I've said for a while I think the Dolphins are going to go as far as Tua can throw accurately. You know, if, yeah. if he's really playing with Waddle and Tyree Kill on a consistent basis and they stay healthy, yeah. I think they go as far as he can accurately throw it to him. Um, if he can throw dots like he did to Devontae Smith to end the uh, college football playoff championship a couple of years back, I think. I think Why'd you have dual. to bring that up? Why'd you bring that up? <laughs> It's okay now. We won, we won two natty cents. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. I felt like I could throw that one in there. Okay. <laughs> so I'm surprised we made it this far without a 28 to 3 joke, to be completely honest no, with you guys. No, I know. <laughs> yeah, we, we're, we're, we're sensitive because, I mean, you look at us, we're Jack fans. Every, <laughs> so March, like, yeah. tw- uh, every March 28th for the past couple of years, I have texted Cooper, happy 28 3 day. Yep. Or happy 328 day. It. The first year I did it, I know that as soon as I sent it, you must have looked at your phone, read it, and said something because then Mikey immediately texted me and said, did you seriously just do that? I was like, of course I did. <laughs> I it makes total sense to do that. Um, oh, my gosh. So I think at the end of the year, we're having a real conversation in the AFC uh, about the Dolphins, the Bills, um, 
I don't think the Bengals really can kind of turn it around until Burrow gets healthy. What is, yeah, what is happening? Yeah. With that? He's clearly not healthy. Understand. He can't move around healthy. in the pocket. Um, T. Higgins looks like he may be <laughs> out. going to drop him on fantasy. I know. It just looks <laughs> abysmal. But, I mean, outside of the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Dolphins, I, I think that's what the AFC comes down to this year. Are yeah. Any objections to those? I'd throw the Ravens in there. Okay. I think the Ravens are looking yeah, yeah. good. With yeah. Todd Malkin calling the plays now, and I think Lamar looks good. That's but just a UGA unfortunately, connection. Yes. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> with the Ravens, the only problem is, are they going to be healthy come playoff time? Yeah. So, But right now, they look legit. They do. They do. So, Well, Poop, we appreciate you coming on, talking some football with yeah. us, doing a short little recap, and, and just providing a fresh perspective on everything. So uh, we're actually going to go ahead and take a pretty short little break if you're uh, watching or listening, you'll probably hardly notice it because I'm not the best editor in the world. But um, <laughs> as far as football is concerned, this is uh, kind of a, a little wrap up. Coop, any last words? Yeah, just uh, thanks for having me, guys. Go, yeah. go, Falcons! I hope we Boo. we get a couple wins and make Boo. the playoffs, maybe. <laughs> but uh, good game last week. I'm I'm rooting for the Jags. I like you guys this year, and I hope you treat Ridley right. Yeah, it's my final say. We're gonna do our best. You know, yeah. all of a sudden the team You're doubles him, and we have some issues. So yeah, Coop, thanks yeah. for joining us. Let's yeah, talk thanks, some baseball man. now. Yep, thanks, guys. All right, cool. Um, oh, I need to mark it. Mark it, mark clip. All right. Let's do this. That was good. That was good. That was good. Yeah, 48 um, minutes. Not too bad. Baseball. How did we wind up here? Mariners, uh, Cal Rally, um, Miggy Wayno, Grinky. We'll have a short, got to keep it short, combo yeah. about Votto. Um, and robo ump stuff. Um, I also want to throw Michael Brantley in that conversation, uh, just because he's older. Um, yeah. um, I'm throwing Mark of the week. We have time. Uh, no, we do that Thursday. Thursday, got it. True. Got to actually let the best and worst of the week happen. We didn't pick. We didn't pick. Crap. That's fine. Um, but we're getting ready to do a bunch of picks with the wild card round. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and get those matchups pulled up. Um, now, okay. some teams have listed probable, some have not. Um, but we're actually going to go ahead and, like, who do we think wins the yeah. Yeah, yeah. matchup? But yeah. we also got to, like, be good about this and look at, like, the pitching matchup, who has the better lineup, better bullpen, that sort of thing. Yeah. Who can win a two of three, I think, is yeah. the best way um, to go about this. Um, but before we get there, like, that's one of the last things that we're going to do. And then we're going to go record with What's Up, Doc. So, at five, right? Yeah, at five. Um, right. I'll make sure that the link and everything is sent to you. They use Riverside as well, so it's the same Okay, setup. great. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. I might, okay. I might use my AirPods uh, the next episode, though, so we'll see. Okay. Ready. Oh, boy. What do I have to have prepared again for, for them? Just they, so I think what we're doing with them is we're going to talk baseball, going to provide some perspective on that because they don't know what the heck they're talking about. Yeah. Um, but then for football, like the most prep that you need to do is just make sure that you can articulate why you think for each game somebody is winning that game for the NFL. Like they okay, do great. all 15 or 16 games. So just make sure that you can go through those and, and say pretty easily why. Okay, great. All right, Your so mates. I'm going to bring us back in, and we're going to start having this conversation. See, I told you you would barely notice the skip, 
and the skip already happened. Coop is gone. It's time to talk about baseball uh, because this show is Diamonds and Hash Marks. Now it's time to talk about Diamonds. Uh, It's finally October. Finally Finally October. October. Let's do this. I am so pumped. Uh, There is so much energy right now. I'm playing Dancing on My Own on repeat. Uh, So here's the thing. If Boston's in it, I'm rooting for Boston through and through. If Boston's not in it, I'm looking at what teams are hot. I don't necessarily have all their hats, but I, I do my best to <laughs> yeah. to just surround myself with what the team is about. Philly, I love the fact that, okay, well, that's fine. You have the <laughs> Texas Rangers hat. You can root for them if you want. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Astros are insanely annoying because of the Alex Bregman clip, which I did yeah. text you, but I really try to immerse myself in, in what the teams have to to offer the fans at this point in the year. Philly, I think, is scary this time of the year, as always. A Reese Hawkins... Excuse me. That name is harder to pronounce than I thought. A Reese Hoskins bat slam is extremely dangerous this point in the year. That could do damage to somebody's mental. Um, But but it's it's time. This is the episode you have been waiting for, that we have been waiting for. The bracket is set. I missed on all my predictions. Peyton hit on all of his. It's, I know it's it's crazy, Peyton. I Let's missed go. every prediction. You hit every prediction, but it's time. Come on, dude. It's time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, how did we get here? Uh, the Seattle Mariners walked into Texas. They won their first. Uh, no, no, no. Texas walked into Seattle, America's yeah. team, and Seattle won the first two games. Now, Seattle, in order to stay in it, had to win out and have a little bit of help. So, I think that's where I missed when I said Seattle could be. Uh, in the playoffs, and yeah. that's where Peyton uh, successfully said, "No, I don't think they will." Um, so ultimately, what happened there is they lost the third game. Luis Castillo went out there; he's the ace of that staff. Yeah. Possibly, it could be Kirby, um, but Luis Castillo goes out there, and you're thinking, "Okay, they got a shot." They're, don't let them win Game Three. If they win Game Three, <laughs> don't let them win Game Four. But then Castillo, I think, through three innings, walked five batters, gave up five runs. It was just a complete nothing burger of a start. It was horrible. I felt for the city of Seattle. They didn't really muster that much of a fight. Um, And then you had Texas win, which means that they clinch. That means Seattle's out. Uh, You had Houston go into Arizona and kind of take care of business against them. Uh, So Houston's in. And because Texas lost the last game of the year, and Houston won out against Arizona. Houston yeah. is the division winner. And so what I referenced earlier, which is insanely annoying, is the fact that Alex Bregman and the whole locker room is there. They're they're spraying champagne. And Bregman goes, a lot of people were wondering what it would be like if the Strohs didn't win the division. Or, or if the Strohs, yeah, that's what he said. And then he said, I guess we'll never know. And then they start spraying champagne, which I hate. I'm not the biggest fan of the Astros, but no, I'm not yeah. either. wasn't wasn't all that fun. Reference to Kanye and the Grammy and, and yeah. I guess we'll never know. Um, so that's what happened there. We saw the Cubs really just fall off a table towards the towards the end of the season. Like I said, which means we are seeing the first non-COVID year postseason berth for the Miami Marlins ever. Miami fans. Yes. This is your time. It is. is. I texted one of my Miami Marlins uh, friends, and I was like, hey, congrats. And he said, I've never seen this before. And I said, (laughs) that's not a joke at all. 
You actually all. haven't. Uh, so the Marlins are in, the Phillies are in, the the Diamondbacks are in, um, Toronto, uh, Minnesota, obviously being uh, the division winner there. You got Texas uh, sneaking in, but the bracket is set. It um, is. But before we get into that, I want to go ahead and address a couple other things, Major League Baseball related, and then. I promise we're going to give you guys what you want. We're going to give you some analysis about each of these first round matchups. Let's do it. The Mariners finish and the way that that wrapped up, man, yeah. just stabbed me in the heart. That was brutal. America's team. Hated it. I, yeah. I thought, I thought they were destined. Um, but last year they tweeted out, you know, what a team, what a run. We're going to be back. And they are in fact, not back. And Cal Raleigh had some things to say. Essentially what Cal said, the catcher for America's team, um, if you're not familiar with him, basically said, you know, I, I think if we're realistically going to compete the way that we expect to, the front office needs to be willing to go out and get some pieces. You know, go That's pay true. some top dollar, go uh, go make some some deals, go trade for another top arm. Go, But honestly, with Luis yeah. Castillo and Kirby as your pitchers at 1-2, yeah. What you should be focusing on, I think, is go get yourself a big bat because Kalenic, Rally, and Julio Rodriguez, as awesome as they are, can't carry an entire offense. Yeah. So, what, what, I, what I would say is go get yourself a big bat that's a veteran, not a young guy who has been in the league for some time now, who has some reputation that he's built up. And you go out and you get that. And I think you have a real lineup that you can uh, go off of there. So. Yeah. Last thing you want to do at this point in the year is already be looking towards next year because it means you're not in the postseason. I thought his yeah. comments were interesting. Um, I think it opens up this larger conversation for Seattle where they get to discuss, actually, our our players are saying that they need help. Let's go get them some help. Let's, let's go try to find out where that help yeah. comes from. Um, do you think that they are one bat away or do you think that the roster needs work? I think they're one bad away. Like I was saying, I feel I feel like if they go get a, if they go get their guy, I'm I'm looking at Seattle um, being a top contender for the league. Um, with yeah, what they got already. I mean, and what they have already is young talent. Which is crazy though to Which say that that the AL West is now the new AL East. All of a sudden next year, where you got three yeah. dogs who are in it, but then there's always the possibility that the Angels actually have a good year. It's not going to be the Oakland Athletics, and it won't be for a long time. But that division, all, out of nowhere, is insanely competitive. Um, I just thought those comments were interesting. Wanted to bring them up. A lot of people, actually, other Seattle Mariners, have said... <laughs> you've kind of heard what Cal said, and I think everybody here kind of agrees with him. And I think J.P. Crawford said as much. So yeah. that, that's interesting. Um, just wanted to bring that up. Uh, good. A couple veterans that we... I've seen the last of, you know, at some point, everybody is told that they can't play the kids game anymore. And, and some of yep. us are lucky enough uh, to go out on top. Um, some of us are lucky enough to to play a full Major League Baseball career and, and go out to a standing ovation. So uh, just wanted to, as a show, tip our cap to Miguel Cabrera, Adam Wainwright, Zach Greinke, and Brandon Crawford, who I think are, are four veterans who have decided that they're going to hang it up at the end of the year. And uh, who I think have a pretty good established careers as big leaguers. So, where did our childhood go? I know. All of a these sudden, these, yeah, they're all gone. And yeah. 
Yeah, you're you're looking at rosters now, and you're like, oh my goodness, like I'm old. <laughs> Garrett Cole is an old geezer now. Yeah, right. Yeah, so. M- Miguel Cabrera, two triple crowns, just an yep. unreal stretch there in 2012, 2013, even 2010. I say he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I think I said that in like uh, last episode. Yeah. He's part of the 3,000 hit club, so yep. uh, I would be shocked if he's not. Adam Wainwright, what a career. Um, oh, yeah. I think he started in Atlanta. And he was oh, traded. Wow. Maybe so. Yeah, I, will I think he was traded. Look up baseball reference right now. Yeah, that, I think that's where he started, but unreal career. Um, yes, obviously, really. working with Yadier Molina for many of those years, who actually got one last at bat. Mm, yeah, he, he sat in. Yeah, and and Yadier had the sign. I want to see Wayno hit, and so yeah. yeah, they let him go hit. Um, that was cool to watch. Zach Green walking really cool. off the mound for the final time. You know, you just tip your cap to the veteran. Um, Brandon Crawford getting a final at bat with the San Francisco Giants. He's done. Um, yep. So I think this <laughs> brings us to discussing Joey Votto, who I I think could be wrong. Could be wrong. I think he has a club option for this next season. And the Cincinnati Reds have already said that they're not going to pick it up Uh, just because it's an insane amount of money for a player who is in the twilight of his career, although he is still very good. Um, Joey Votto in what could have been his last game was ejected. Yeah. And I got some things to say. The floor is yours. All right. Umpires need to be gone. I need robo-umps behind the plate. Yeah. So this is something where two or three years ago, I would have said, no, you can't take out the home plate umpire in the strike zone because then you're removing the humanity from the game. You're removing the possibility for human error. It's part of the game. I was a baseball purist. But now, after toying with the idea of robo-umps for a while and consistently watching Angel Hernandez, C.B. Buckner, Laz Diaz, uh, it, just jokes of umpires miss calls on baseballs that both the catcher and the hitter and the how does everybody know the correct call except you you know and you're the only one who has the opinion yeah. that matters and you got it wrong yeah so right. there was a, a two-seamer um that the guy threw uh, where he tried to catch uh Votto on the inside corner um uh, having it come back towards the zone uh and and Votto took it obviously because it was a ball the only guy right. who had an opinion that mattered was the home plate umpire, and he rings up Votto for strike three. Now, uh, Votto has come out, and he said, hey, you know, it's kind of on me. I shouldn't have been yelling at him, arguing balls and strikes from the dugout. Okay, whatever. The first thing that we need to get out of this game is umpires that don't understand what the strike zone is who, who make it up. Because that guy made up a strike zone specifically for that instance, called strike three on Votto. Now Votto's chirping at him. He has no choice but to throw him out. allegedly no choice if you're going to be a home plate umpire and consistently miss balls and strikes you got to be able to own up to it you also got to understand that the moment is bigger than just you yeah he's yelling at you he's an mlb great in his last game nobody bought a ticket to watch you they all bought tickets to watch joey Votto. But set your ego aside. And, and I know that me saying this on this podcast with our listenership probably isn't going to reach you. But that's absolutely horrendous, and you should be nowhere near the game of baseball. And I'll leave it there. Do you have any thoughts on robo-umpires? Um, I would say probably not yet. I mean, 
everybody's human. They're going to make mistakes as well. Um, but like I have, I would throw the idea around with this. I would say, um, so uh, college football officials, uh, they go through like this grueling process, and if they miss like a, like blatant calls, and like they don't like, and they don't ha- like get it together, basically, they're gone. Yeah, I feel like we need to see the same thing happen to MOB umpires. Yeah, if this were the case, Angel Hernandez would have been gone. Joe yeah, West but there's an umpires union, and they they protect their bad umpires, and and Angel Hernandez had his own little controversy with Bryce Harper. Uh, maybe this is finally the last straw, and they try to get rid of Angel Hernandez. But th- that was horrendous as well. Yeah, that was like that. I didn't even see the check swing, but I I could see it like from like me looking at the screen, like from the pitcher's view. It he didn't go around. <laughs> it wasn't even close. It wasn't and even then, close. And then I didn't Angel see the Hernandez is over here yeah. saying, you know, it, go watch the replay, and I'm right. And Bryce Harper's like, I didn't need to. <laughs> okay. I didn't- I'm going to get fined because I'm right again. I know what I did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You think you know better than me? Golly. Angel Hernandez is just the thorn in my side that refuses to go away. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm over it. I'm kind of ready for having this conversation about a robo-umpire behind the plate calling balls and strikes. Uh, The biggest hiccup that they're having there is adjusting the zone based on hitter height. Yeah. Um, and, And then just making every play reviewable in the field. Because if we truly are in search of truth, trying to find out if the runner was truly safe or out, then we need to open it up all the way. Because we all know what a check swing is, except for Angel Hernandez. So let's go ahead and open up check swings to review. Or don't open it up at all and let the arguing continue. So that's just my little spiel. Let's go ahead and get into this wild card thing. Let's do it, man. I'm excited. The first round matchups are going to go ahead. Um, Here's how we're going to do this. All of the wildcard games are on ESPN and ABC. So what we're going to do is we're going to go game by game, the Texas-Tampa matchup, then the Toronto-Twins matchup, then we'll head up the National League games in order of start time. So that first game we're going to get to watch tomorrow, I can't believe it's tomorrow, it's finally October, is going to be Texas and Tampa Bay. Now, the higher-seeded team gets to host all of the games, meaning that Tampa is going to get to host... uh, all three of these games, if the third game is necessary. Your game one matchup is Tyler Glass now and Jordan Montgomery. Where do you see this game going? Tomorrow's game, Texas Tampa, who's winning? Glass now, I think, is going to take it. He's going to have a good, good game. How many innings? Six. I'll have him at six. You think analytical Tampa is going to let him go six innings? Do you think he's going longer? No, absolutely not. I think, if anything, it's going to be shorter. Oh, you think it's going to be shorter? Yeah, because their whole thing is they don't want a pitcher seeing a batter a third time, which means if Texas gets one hit within the first uh, run through in the lineup, it means that he's done at six innings, one way or another. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think he's done at six. Um, uh, Tampa Bay takes it. I think Tampa Bay is like the strong team here. Uh, As much as I loved seeing what the AL West Jacob was going to look like, Tampa Bay is the true team i mean 99 wins and you're in the wild card like what right which is crazy i think obviously over the course of the season what we watched is texas start out strong fade and then do everything that they could to fight tampa very similar story start out very strong fade towards the middle of the year uh partially due to injuries but then come back and fight and make the division a little close but finishing second place with 99 wins this roster 
through injuries left and right, has done everything that they could to to fight their way back. Uh, yeah, because we're still looking at a Rosarena being healthy, still looking at Yande Diaz being healthy. Um, yeah. the the right fielder that they have, low, he's healthy and he's a bat. He's a scary bat. I love that guy. Yeah. Um, but I think Tampa takes game one just because of the pitching matchup that's in front of them. I think yeah. Tyler Glasnow is possibly the greatest thing that the Pittsburgh Pirates never used. And that's a shame. Yeah. Game two, ordinarily, Peyton, you and I would be looking at this saying, when is Max Scherzer pitching? Yeah. But he's not. He's out for the year. Texas, yep. at this point in the year, uh, or at this point, has not yet announced their game two starter. So Texas is kind of openly signaling, we're all in. If we have to use multiple starters to get out of game one, that's exactly what we're doing. So both you and I said game one, Tampa's winning, which means Tampa needs only one more yep. to win because it's a best of three series. All right, game two, Tampa is running Zach Eflin out there, who has been phenomenal for them this year. How do you see game two going? Yeah, I think um, I think Tampa takes game two. I think they just go out there. Um, uh, both games and they just absolutely dominate um, with okay, because of how well the pitching is I think for, and how well uh, Tampa Bay has got a, a like a strong rotation uh, just this past uh, just this past year kind of leading in the postseason I think it's strong enough to where they're going to be able to take both of those games yeah yeah I, I honestly I have a hard team, time seeing how Texas manages to escape this wild card round I think their yeah. best shot at seeing the next round was to get the bye because right now I'm looking at Tampa and seeing Tampa in the wild card round, I think is absolutely insane because yeah. they do have 99 wins. I think Tampa takes this. We're looking at Tampa uh, sweeping Texas. We're looking at Texas not getting that first World Series that they've been searching for for so long. But Tampa yeah. also looking for a World Series. I think both of us are in agreement are winning those two games pretty easily. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that next game uh, that we're looking that's going to play and start an hour and a half after uh, the Texas and Tampa series is going to be, I, I'm setting a TV up and I'm not letting it, I'm not walking away from it for a while, but we are going to have uh, Toronto at Minnesota, Minnesota getting to host all three of those games um, just because that's how it works, which it's going to be cold game one. It's going to be, Kevin Gosman for Toronto against Pablo Lopez. This game's in Minnesota. How do you see this this game shaking out? I think we, what we've been saying, I think just the past couple episodes, I don't see Minnesota walking out of the series alive. I know. Like, so, Toronto. I think they do get a favorable <laughs> matchup, though, because it is Toronto. Yeah. For what it's worth, Minnesota has some very good pitchers that they can throw at Toronto, and Toronto has had a very bad offensive year. Yeah. And so I look at this first game and I say Toronto takes this one just because of the pitching uh, deficit that they're in. Pablo Lopez, as great as he is, as great of a year as he had, I don't think he's close to postseason Kevin Gosman, who I think can walk out there and give you a strong six, seven innings. And I, I do realistically think that this game, this series, is one of those classic who can get to the bullpen first series. Yeah, Both teams have extremely impressive bullpens. We're talking... Uh, Joe and Duran uh, for the Minnesota Twins. We're talking Jordan Hicks 
yeah for the toronto blue jays who can get to that ninth inning first with a lead obviously that feels like it's every baseball game ever played but right. who can get to the bullpen first and hold on to it i see toronto taking this first one just because of the pitching deficit as i've already said yeah that second game though is where i think we're we're actually going to see a three game series i think out of this one because okay. that second game um you got sunny gray on the mound for minnesota and i think as as awesome as the year that he's had He's going to walk away with a victory in that one. Yeah. I, oh, I think gosh. So. But I don't know. At the we same had, time, you know. We had Alec. I, I, I could totally see it happening, but I, I just think that the Blue Jays are just too strong. Okay, so you think Toronto wins this in two? Yes. I think we see a game three in this series, which we'll know by Thursday, because Thursday is when the wild card series is over, which is absolutely insane. Um, yeah. So that game three would be taking place as we are recording. So we will update you as it comes around, but I actually think Game Three happens here. I okay. think Toronto. Uh, I think Toronto wins Game One. I think Minnesota wins Game Two, and then I think we're looking at Game Three. And uh, yeah. let who wins? Winner takes all. Okay, that fourth series, Arizona at Milwaukee, starting at seven oh eight on ESPN two. Intriguing. <laughs> just because of how young Arizona is and and how Milwaukee has structured themselves. That first game, I don't even want to try to pronounce Arizona's pitcher's name because I'm going to mess it up and it's going to sound like I said a bad word. Milwaukee is rolling Corbin Burns out there. It's playoff time. Craig Council possibly walking away after this year. I've heard some rumors about that, but preview, who's winning game one? I see this series being split. You see it being 1-1? I see it being 1-1. It's in Milwaukee. Um, yeah, so I think uh, I think Corbin's going uh, to have a good game. They're going to win this first. Okay, so you say Milwaukee wins the first game. I say Milwaukee wins the first game. That second game, neither team has announced their starter yet for, for game two. Both teams are all in. I love Arizona. I love uh, Corbin Carroll. Just just what he's done this year, what the Arizona offense uh, has managed to do, taking this team from near bottom of the division and a losing record into the playoffs. Yeah. But I see them having a very hard time getting past Milwaukee because I think it's another classic case of who can get to the bullpen first. Yeah. Devin Williams is a menace out of the bullpen. Yeah. And I just see Milwaukee coming away with this one and two. Yeah. I want to see something happen. So I want to see Arizona make it interesting. I think Milwaukee eventually is going to win the series, but I just want Arizona to like not look lifeless out there, you know? Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Although I don't think they will. I don't think we're necessarily at risk of that. But right. that last series, uh, starting at 8.08 Eastern on, on ESPN, we got Miami at Philly. All three games in Philly. All three games in Philly. Uh, that first game is going to be Jesus Lazardo for Miami against Zach Wheeler for Philly. How are you feeling about game one? I know you're, you're a, a Miami homer here wanting Miami <laughs> to do, to do well. Cause you called them yeah. getting in the playoffs. How do you think they yeah. do? Um, man, I want to pull for Miami here. I really do. I really like how they have just strung up a couple of guys together and made a season of it. Uh, but they're, they're going to be in Philly. Philly is hard to play in Philly. It's die, Philly die by a million. Thing. It's Philly, Philly by, by a million. million. It's Philly by a million for me. Uh, Zach Wheeler, great, uh, great arm out there. I don't even know who they have out there for game two. Aaron Nola. Um, 
Okay, yeah, it's it's wraps. Philly by a million. Yeah, I'm Philly taking Philly to win uh, game one and game two there, which means that their next uh, matchup is against Atlanta, and we're going to see an LL East so- showdown in the second Ooh. round in the NLDS. Um, Sir. So, for what it's worth, let's just simplify our picks. I think the American League wild card, we both have Tampa winning both, uh, one and two. Yep. Um, we have a differing opinion on the other AL wildcard matchup. I think yeah. Minnesota walks away with it in three games, um, whereas you think Toronto walks away with it in two. Yep. We both think Milwaukee walks away with it in two against yep. Arizona, which I think is the most intriguing matchup of the entire thing. Um, yep. But then we both have Philly winning one-two. So that's the yep. wild card round. We're not going to get too much further than that. Yeah, Other than they'll, they'll stay there. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're gonna stay there. We're not gonna analyze any other matchups the rest of the year. But yeah. at the end of it all, who is your one American League team? Who's your one National League team? Who do you think is in the World Series? That we're oh only doing that. We're not analyzing. I'm just okay. saying, who do you um, think has the stuff to get there? I say we're looking at a Rays Braves. I think we're looking at Houston Atlanta round two. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what like we're it. doing. I hate it, but yeah. Do you have a dark horse? <laughs> My dark horse. If it's not one of those teams that you just mentioned, who is it? Phillies, man. Okay, that's mine too. I think yes. dancing on my own. Philly in the postseason. A Reese Hoskins bat slam can damage the mental. Yeah, yeah. Bryce Harper I just, need to see that, just I need that. Bryce Harper's hair can win a playoff game on its own. <laughs> Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola game one and two. You're toast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unless of course Agreed. you have Max Fried and Charlie Morton. You know. Yeah. So uh, more analysis to come. We'll know by Thursday how it's looking. We'll give you updates as it comes um, around then. But yeah. Man, I'm excited. Games you start too, tomorrow at three. I'm getting home from work and I'm watching. Boom. That's yeah. awesome, man. I'll probably I'll probably be playing I'll probably be playing video games and having it on the side or whatever, but I'm excited, man. Yeah. I I'm pumped. Um so we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up um towards the end here. But one last thing that I do want to make sure that we do um is pay a little homage to Tim Wakefield. Um yep. I know that what we saw um, over these past couple of days has been a little rough uh, first with the news being broken by Kurt Schilling without the family's permission. Um, and you were kind of getting the sense that Tim Wakefield was hoping that he could go out the way that he wanted to um, without the the news being everywhere. But I, I just didn't know how serious it actually was and how bad it was. Um, but uh, ultimately yesterday, uh, Sunday, October 1st, uh, got the news that Tim Wakefield has passed away. Um, 1966 to 2023, uh, lived a long life, played a lot of good baseball, but I think ultimately what he will be remembered for is the teammate that he was, the husband that he was, the father that he was. Um, uh, I had a lot of fun watching him, had a lot of fun listening yeah. to him in the broadcast booth. You want to add anything? Yeah. Um, great guy, great guy. I think all around just in the clubhouse and everything like that. And, uh, being in the booth as well. Uh, I would always attribute that. Uh, Tim Wakefield, I think he's the guy that you look at, and he's, he's like the he's the face of Red Sox baseball, or not one of the, one of the faces of uh, yeah. Red Sox baseball. Just into that how, and how he played, um, I think as well. Only one All Star in two thousand nine, uh, two thousand nine, 
um, which is crazy to me because I feel like he should have at least gotten there a couple more times. But, uh, I mean, was a key part in the, in the 2004, 2007 World Series. So uh, he will be missed, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just unfortunate to to see it end like that. Um, yeah. Ultimately, at, at one point or another, we're all going to go, but you just hate it for, for the Wakefield family. Yeah. Um, so uh, for the final time today, this is Diamonds and Hashmarks, another DNH episode. I'm your host and producer. I remembered it, Alex Pichardo. <laughs> I'm co-host Peyton Pichardo, you dig. We'll see you later. Yeah, we'll see you Monday. Music.